Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sandler, joined as always by the Mac to my dentist. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing all right. All right, and our very own Charlie. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, did you want to be Charlie or Frank? Oh, I'd love to be Charlie. Little green ghouls, buddy. <laughs> all right. I mean, uh, being Frank would be pretty cool, though. You know, you'd have yeah, a lot of money. But I, but I also would, I, <laughs> then I couldn't speak on the podcast. Yeah, that's okay. That's fair. So the uh, Pete Carroll interview today, uh, Pete Carroll says, I see no reason to, uh, to lower my expectations. He was on, uh, he said, VASPN, I don't feel like that at all. I don't feel like any part of that, any of that is what's true other than the fact that that's what people think. I'm not in that business now. I'm in the business of helping these guys get ready to play with all the work that we do and all the mentality and the culture and the environment that we're in. We've been averaging 10 wins a year for the last 20 something years. You think I could think any different than that? I don't. I don't see any reason my expectations should change at all. I don't care what anyone says. People have been saying that stuff about teams for years. They don't know. They're just guessing at this point, and then we go and prove it, and we see where we are. Win a big game in the opener or struggle and not win a big game in the opener, you've got to come back and get going and back on track regardless. All right, Eric, P. Carroll, this is kind of what we've been saying all offseason. He's not going to try to lose. He's not going to lower his expectations. Do you, do you like this interview from Pete, from Pete? First off, I love this interview because Pete's not going to come out there and be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough year, but we're going to give it our all. No, like – He's got to stay Pete. He's got to stay consistent. And he also, you know, his coaching method is basically be super positive and believe in your players. And that's what he's doing in this interview. Now, guys, I'm the only non-teacher in this 20 something years. He's been coached since two. He's including USC. Oh, so it's USC because I was like the Seahawks had up and down years. Why is he including the Jets? Why isn't he including (laughs) the Jets? Thank you, Kevin. J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. Yeah, this is, a, this is a fine interview from Pete. I would like to disagree with him, <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a fine interview with Pete. I, I want to see Pete fired up. I don't want to lose this year. It's going to be really hard to, to watch some games. Uh, I, can, I can sum up this year in a nutshell without seeing any games so far. My wife showed me this meme that said, My wife! My wife! Said, uh, hey, in four days... I get to have a football team dictate my level of happiness. And I laughed. I said, <laughs> not this year, sweetie. So, no, there is. Yeah, it's true, though. There is a football team that will dictate your happiness. It's just your fantasy football team. This is this correct. <laughs> your fantasy football team will have a strong impact on that's how a, you're feeling. On that's a, a short season, season, though. So things are looking up. Yeah, and the thing about your fan, my, I sent my wife, said, I sent my wife a tweet that said, um, that said, uh, um, I'm now my, my, it was like my, uh, my, my boyfriend is the, the fake owner of a pretend football team yeah. for the next, for the next three months. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's pretty much what, Accurate. what it is. Uh, Kevin, does this, this attitude of, of always compete, is this going to lead to any extra win, wins this season? Like are the Seahawks going to outperform people's very modest expectations right now? Like Vegas is thinking under five and a half wins. Like this is the Seahawks are, are really the, the line moved a little bit. People really hammered under six and a half now. So do, are are we going to be as bad as the, the general perception public or is this always compete attitude help us get a few extra victories? Well, first thing I want to say is I thought at first his mic cut out and they got it wrong. And he said he saw Gino reasons that we might <laughs> not beat the expectations. But uh, then I read the full quote and I was like, oh, actually, he's going through with this. Never mind. So I 
do think that it will matter and it'll matter for a reason. Um, Pete Carroll's rosters don't stop playing hard just because like the record isn't going the way you want it to. Um, I think what we've been talking a lot about is kind of Detroit season last year where it didn't always show up in the win column, but they played like really tough a lot. And, and they, when they finally won a game, they acted like they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's also great. Um, but I think it's going to be similar to that, but I don't think we're building from as big of a talent deficit as Detroit was. Like, we've got some playmakers. We have some people where if you get the ball in their hands, they are a threat to score. Uh, and if our run game is going with our blocking scheme as well as I think it's going to, I could see us being the kind of team that kind of gets out to a vic- gets out to a lead and then just bleeds the clock on people with the run game. Uh, and so we could be one of those strangling teams where a team that's maybe less well organized or a team that just can't handle that style is going to fall. So I think we could eke out a couple more wins, but I really think that does mean like six or seven at the most. Yeah, it's like we're going to have an extra win. So we'll go six and 11. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not a it's not going it's not a hugely exciting uh, endeavor. Today, the Seahawks released the uh, preliminary depth charts. This seems to be the depth chart heading into the the uh, first game of the season here for Monday Night Football. So uh, let's look at the offense first. Uh, DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett will be your starting wide receivers. Shocked. No surprise there with uh, Eskridge in the slot and Marquise Goodwin as your uh, four receiver that that's not particularly surprising I think to anyone maybe Eskridge over Penny uh, Derek Young or Penny Hart like that seemed like a maybe a legitimate battle for that kind of third spot but I think they Goodwin need seemed to step up though Goodwin's yeah I agree Goodwin seemed like he kind of locked in that uh, fourth receiver kind of field stretcher role that the Seahawks like to have a uh, David Moore type right yep um, that that kind of field stretcher far. Uh, Cross and Lucas will start at tackle. I think not hugely surprising at this point. Most people probably expected that, but it's nice to see it on the actual depth chart. Um, Disley or Noah Fant listed as co-starters. Um, I rolled my eyes pretty hard when I saw that. I just want you guys to know. <laughs> I think we're going to see a um, lot of two tight end personnel sets. Like I think we're going to see a lot, a lot of two tight end looks. I hope we have good person. We have good personnel for it. I hope like, so. <laughs> We've been saying this for the past like five years, guys. So I, I sure hope so. Kevin. Pete, Pete certainly seems more open to just kind of doing new things this year with the way he's kind of reformatted the defense with the three, four and really modernized it where um, it just looks like a modern defense. This, this kind of um, two tight end stuff that we normally wouldn't be doing. Uh, Walker was on the, on the depth chart too. in second, where you got, were you surprised to see Walker in there? And as, Back from the uh, the the was it? It's not a sports hernia, just just a no. regular hernia. He's he's got a thing, and yeah. so hernia thing. Well, we found out that he wasn't dead. I was like, well, he could be back anytime then. Kind of that's kind of a surprise. I I'd be very happy if he played in week one. That would make me extremely pleased. I will be so, shocked if he does, but I like that they put him on the depth chart. Our yeah, run game the- is disgusting if we have that four running back set up because all of them Agreed. can also pass, ca- uh, catch passes really well. Yep. And they, and they, it's a nice set of blockers too. They, we can really do a lot of things with these four guys, uh, mix and match them, and none of them really have to get beat up or anything. I mean, even though I do think Kenneth Walker's future is like Bel- Marshawn level bell cow, right? Where guy who touches the ball all the time, he doesn't have to be that in year one especially coming back from this uh, sports hernia. All right, let's go. Let's flip it over to the defense. Well, that, that, that was, did you want to say anything else about the offense before I flip it to the defense? 
No, I didn't think. Okay, the uh, defense. I just one quick thing. Um, I th- yeah. I still think Phil Haynes is going to be pushing Jackson for that job at right guard. That's going to be something to watch all season. And you kind of alluded to it, but man, Where what a win! The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but man, what a win to have Abraham Lucas, uh, like straight up take the starting right tackle job, like yeah. super earned it, showed it. It was in zero doubt after preseason week one, but like what a massive draft win and- that is. Yeah, Cross and Lucas, if the way they won those jobs and look to be both like above curve NFL players and Charles Cross far above curve, uh, this and Lucas looks far above curve maybe too. That is foundational. You can build a whole offense around two good tackles, but that that if yeah, those ask, guys ask pan, <laughs> if those guys pan out the way that that we think, I mean, holy smokes! All right, defense had the big surprise. Michael Jackson. <laughs> I should have made a drop for that, huh? Yeah. Uh, starting at left corner, Eric. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, hey, this is this is the exciting thing about this year. If you're going to fail, give him a chance to fail. More importantly, give him a chance to succeed. I love this. He rocked it in the preseason. I think this is going to be cool. I think it's going to work for us. This is this is my Seahawk optimism for 2022. Okay, and then we got Tariq Woolen on the other side, which the avatar already burns, seems to be the 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 outside corner backup. And then in the slot, we got Kobe or Sidney Jones, the fourth. Uh, look, Sidney Jones, I think, is coming back. They're working him back slow from the uh, the concussion. Yeah, it seem, seems to me like I, th- I think if he was 100, 1000%, he might be starting this week. They seem to like him as the left starter, but... It's interesting to me, like Michael Jackson, Artie Burns, Kobe Bryant. They could have gone a number of directions at left cornerback, and they went with Michael Jackson. That's pretty exciting. It's it's cool. I mean, I mean, he played the best, right? Would you agree with that, Kevin? Uh, yeah. The best? And I, the other thing is, I think Artie Burns is still kind of working his way back a little bit. Uh, Sidney Jones, like you said, is working his way back a little bit. Kobe looks like the slot is a great spot for him. So, yeah, give the kids some run in week one and see what happens. Like, if Michael Jackson works out, you paid nothing for him and he's really good. If Michael Jackson doesn't work out, you paid nothing for him and he's not as good. Like, yeah, go and for yeah, it. You, you throw you throw you throw one of the vets out there next week, Artie Burns or Sidney Jones, right? Yeah, and uh, it's easier to go from Jackson to one of the vets than from one of the vets to Jackson, I think, just for like team composition and like morale purposes. Right, especially the way both vets are coming back from injuries. You know, you can use that as a reasoning, right? Like, oh, these guys are fully back and. They weren't re- they weren't ready for week one. Whereas if you yeah if you force Burns out there semi hurt and then he gets hurt worse or something I don't know it just makes a whole mess. Yeah, like what's the uh, the dude from Washington that we were super hyped about? Um, the cornerback from a couple seasons ago. Mm, My- I mean, there they, you have so many options. No, no, no. From, from from the, the Commanders. Huskies? Oh, from from Manders. Oh, you're talking about uh, Quentin Dunbar? Yeah. Well, when Dunbar, when we put him out there injured, and then he just never had a season after that. Yeah, and he was just – that guy was that guy was a walking injury before we got him, and then we didn't do anything to make it better because yeah. Ivan. So, so <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> all right, safeties are what you expect. Uh, I, I do expect to see a healthy dose of Neil Jones and maybe even Joey Blunt getting snaps because of the way that we're going to use these guys maybe – closer to the line of scrimmage some of these guys because we are thin at inside linebacker just brooks and barton if you want below but I, I would say basically just brooks and barton and uh then yeah lots of lots of pass rushers a lot of three three five mafia yeah i agree um a lot of three three five in this game 
you'll yeah. see five five guys towards the line of scrimmage and then uh the the one standing up linebacker and then a, a second an extra safety maybe playing around the line of scrimmage that's kind of what my expectation is a lot of that a lot of like adams standing next to or near brooks looking to either knife into the backfield or or make some make some magic happen uh nuosu over mafe maybe was a was a competition that seems to have been settled but harris woods and ford was always going to be our starting three it didn't matter how good monet or adams or jefferson played those guys are the backups but the way the seahawks like to rotate those guys i expect to see you know those all be at worst 70 30 splits yeah would you yeah. Really think? like the, those guys are all going to get heavy rotation um it is surprising how many edge players we have five is a lot but the you know, maybe that's something that flexes out. I think Alton Robinson's also going to play on the line a little bit in pass rush sets. Like he still has enough bulk where he could play. Uh, if you're doing like a pure speed rush set, have him come in and play end. If he play, if he played, if I saw him line up at end and I was the quarterback, I would be like, all right, audible. We're handing it to Javante run at that guy. <laughs> like, like, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I wouldn't, I would hope that that they're ready for that to happen because that's what they should. That's what the opposing team should do if they see that, but it's possible. Um, the, the lack, the, they lack, I think they lack a little bit of flexibility here. There's a, there's a rigidness to this defensive roster. Like the way we only have two inside linebackers and stuff. Like I just, I don't know. There's, it just feels like there's, we're missing something here. We look like a team that missed almost an entire draft. Yeah, that's pro- that's about right. That's about right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. All right. It's that I thanks, think thanks for going to the new system and not seeing an anchor. Like we have some we have some great players and some guys to be excited about, but we've all <clears throat> in the past you know ten years we've been you know eight years we've been looking at an anchor and that's Bobby Wagner or even a member of Legion of Boom or an exciting secondary player. Jamal Adams is. I, you know, I don't really know what to expect from him at all. So looking at this line, sure. We didn't see him. We didn't see him once in the preseason. We have not seen Adams in this system at all. And we, we haven't didn't... seen him consistently. Exactly. Quandre Diggs is probably my guy, but um, we'll see how he comes back from surgery. Jamal Adams hasn't had a consistent like look and, and that's not a good thing in our defense. Uh, you also said we have five edges. I was just looking at this and I was like, Man, I could deal with like one more edge. Who's available in free agency? So, <laughs> well, it's a thing. You, you don't. It's not that we want another edge, though. To me, it's that like we. I've said this before. We lack like the premier edge, and Taylor could be that. Maybe Mafe could be that. Maybe like those guys could. But I do think it's going to take a significant um, investment at some point, either in free agency or the draft, to get like that elite edge to put us over the top. And I don't know if it's um Yeah, we could be a top twenty pass rush with this, but we could never be a top ten pass rush with this assembly of talent, I agree. Unless Jamal Adams goes off. Or or like these interior guys really go off. Like if Shelby Harris and Puna Ford are just crushing it this season, that's that that's the path to me to this pass rush being really good, actually. Is like Shelby Harris and Puna Ford both go for eight sacks. And that's like, that would be, that's super disruptive, right? And Miles Adams yeah. gets like four in the back of the rotation. That kind of level of disruption from the interior would make this defense much better than my expectation right now. 
but they need a disruptor. Someone needs to someone needs to step up and be a disruptor to a level we have not seen before, whether that's an interior guy really making leap or two of these interior guys having like kind of career years or borderline career years or Daryl Taylor making the jump and being a 12 sack guy or or even if it's Jamal Adams knifing in for eight sacks or nine sacks. Like they just need someone to really disrupt because that will push this defense from being one that I think look on paper when I look at this defense, I say, you know what I see? I see a lot of bend, but, but, but don't break. I see us giving up long drives that end in field goals or difficult touchdowns, uh, which is, I don't know. I think we're going to be very uh, turnover (laughs) reliant. Yeah. Like we we need to get a lot of picks, strip sacks, big plays. Like pass rush can, has to exceed expectations. Like yeah. one or the other. Man, yeah, like you need like those timely on. big plays. It's like it's like those offenses where it's it's like those Russell Wilson offenses on those years where we knew we couldn't consistently get first downs. So we were just like waiting for the four plays a game where he would huck it like 45 yards and someone would catch it and run the rest of the field. And you're like, that was our offense. We're averaging like 28 points a game because four times a game. Like Russ spins around, dances in the backfield, and then hucks it half a field, and then we're in scoring position. But, can but we, we sure can can't we puni- string together a drive. <laughs> can we punish them? For, can we punish Denver for doing that, right? Like, can, <laughs> yeah, that'll be coming up. Yeah. So okay. All right. Uh speaking of of Denver, let's let's get let's start transitioning to to this week's game. First, I want to talk about Russ's extension. Russ reached a five year, two hundred and forty five million dollar contract extension, hundred sixty five million guaranteed. He's now tied to Denver basically for the rest of his career till age 40. Uh, he'll make, he'll be the second highest quarterback by AAV in the court over the course of this deal. Uh, first, let's start with Eric. Eric, how do you feel about this contract? Is it a great, is it a great extension for the Broncos? Is it a great extension for Russell Wilson? How do you feel about it as a Seahawks fan? Do you wish that was you or are you okay with moving on from, from that deal? Uh, I'm okay with moving on only because Russ is getting older. He says he wants to play till he's 50. Of course you do, Russ. Um, I will always love Russell Wilson. I look forward to him going into the do ring you, of honor. Do you think if he plays till he's 50, he'll his face will slowly be turning more plastic surgery like Tom Brady's? <laughs> like, what is going on with Tom Brady's face? That's uh, why Giselle is so upset. Um, we... <laughs> We can only imagine. No, I mean, his face is bunching. We we always kind of said that Russ was like. We were winning because of Russ, but I just wish he'd play better. I wish he'd use the field more. We need to get a an offensive coordinator that's going to know how to use Russ. We had Russ for a long time and his best years were when he could run and he can't run anymore. So am I happy with this deal? I'm happy for Russ. I'm not really happy for the Broncos, a young 1980s Eric uh, who cut his teeth in the AFC West still hates the Broncos. Bronco Buster for life. Um, But I, I don't, I don't want Russ for that price. 49 million a year. I will take a lottery pick. Thank you very much. Because that seems to be mm, one of three ways to win in the NFL and the way the Broncos are doing it. That's a way to win, but I don't think Russ the, is the quarterback. The question to me becomes like that deal reminds me a lot of what they're what's going on with Aaron Rodgers mm. okay, and and in Green Bay, where the deal is aging pretty favorably. You know, if you really think about it, like the the deal's not too bad, and as the cap goes up, it will start to look better and better. But a deal like that does feel like it locks you into like losing the first round purgatory. And I, I don't know if the, I 
I want to be in losing the first round purgatory. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's fun to make the playoffs every year and it's fun to go into every week's game thinking that you can win. And there's no doubt in my mind, if we had Russell Wilson right now, I'd be going into this week's game thinking, dang, we're going to win this one. Oh, yeah, we're going to you know? win big. Uh, it's a shame we're playing an action green. But uh, first round purgatory, it was a different sport. But this is a tr- the truth. The Seattle Supersonics were always in the playoffs and always never went. I mean, not always, but in their final years, never went further than the second round. They couldn't get that pick to put them over the top. They couldn't get a lot of depth. Their number one player was a great player, but not like a Kobe or a Shaq. Um, he was just a Ray Allen and first round purgatory is a thing, I think. And that's like the last five years of the Seahawks have basically been that. Yeah. And that's the only way we're going to grow. It's it's painful. But especially when Russ wants to separate, it was kind of a blessing because that way we didn't have to say, hey, guys, it's just not working. We're going to choose to lose. Um, we got to kind of paint it in a in a favorable way for us. And now now don't screw it up, Seattle. Build this thing. Build it back up. Yeah. Kevin, uh, would you, do, what do you think about the new, the new rest deal? I, I have a bit, I have a few questions about it because they're paying for here. I can, I can answer all of them. You ready? <laughs> they're paying for 11 weeks of Russ, right? Let's run. That's right. So In my this is basically, <laughs> this is basically the the that like first eleven weeks of the of the shoddy year where they let Russ cook, and this is the contract you get. They didn't let Russ cook. They let him. That's right. That's right. And so, what I think, I have Russell Wilson. I have. Are you scared now that I'm gonna hit it again? <laughs> no, actually, you sound like you have PTSD. You're like, actually, you're like, I'm trying oh. to figure out where I can set it up at. Um, <laughs> so we have Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and Kirk Cousins. Are they not the same tier of QB right now? Matthew Stafford, I feel like it's very similar to Russell Wilson, where if you dropped him into a really set team that set to win the challenge. The problem is Denver doesn't have it. And we'll talk about this in a second. Denver doesn't have an Aaron Donald on their defense. No, no they, they have don't. a couple. They have a couple really good players. I, I I'll, I'll talk about it. I, I think a couple of their players are extremely good. They don't have Jalen Ramsey either. But they don't have Jalen Ramsey. They don't have Aaron Donald. Like the, the thing is that the Rams did is they pushed all their chips right into the center of the table. And they were like, Hey, we're winning this year. And if we're not, it's going to be hard to keep winning. And they maybe have one more year because Aaron Donald came back on a moderately team friendly deal and stuff like that. But they knew what they were doing. Denver is not there yet. Now it's not to say they won't go there. That maybe is where they're going. They're maybe heading to the new Orleans, uh, Thing. they're really letting their roster breathe this year and wait, kind of giving it a shot. It. What are they doing to their roster? They're letting it. They're, that's oh, right. There you go. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the other thing is Aaron Rodgers signed that deal, but that defense we think could be rounding into an elite form. I, right. It was, it was overrated last year, but it was getting, but it was improving. Like I'm not going to deny that. A lot of young talent there, right? Yes. So, in Denver's case, that's not really what's going on. So well, they that's lost I'm their saying. best, de- but they lost their best defensive player. He plays for the Buffalo Bills now. So are they basically paying thirteen million more per season to have Kirk Cousins and be the AFC Vikings? I think that's Vikings. Vikings AFC is very. Um, very fitting description. Podcast what, listeners, listen up. Let's this get it, is in depth analysis because that that's that's awesome. That's right on, Kevin. Uh, so let's get into it in a second, though. Last last thing before we get into the really breaking down Denver's uh, roster for the game. Tyler Lockett, this is a 
tweet tweet from uh, Michael Shondergaard. Tyler Lockett knows that he can't control what other people do. But given all that Russ did in this community and on the field, he thinks fans should give Russell Wilson a warm welcome Monday night. Do you agree, Kevin? I'll say what I said in the Discord. You know, I'm really happy that Lockett's taking the high road on this one. That way I can boo twice as hard. Once for me and once for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, Tyler. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Come on, dude. Uh, I, w- I would never do that. Like the and the I might bring a. I think what we should do is hand out corn cobs on the way into the stadium. That's Bitter what, booing country. And, <laughs> that's right. And like and like wave corn cobs at Russ when he when he comes out. You know that's that's corn country. That's, that's what, right. Russ won't get it. All right, let's do it. Let's get into uh, Seahawks versus um, Denver Broncos. We'll start with the Denver Broncos defense on the field. So Denver Broncos will roll out their defense. They are going to run a three four defense, uh, pretty similar to what we're trying to do. Uh, some some key players for them. Their pass rushers are uh, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. They also drafted uh, Nick Benito, a favorite of mine from the draft process. He should be a moderately effective pass he's rusher. He's pretty good in the preseason. Yeah, yeah, I love Benito. I think he's just he he had he had it to me. Like he had just an it factor about him where I just thought this guy's going to get pressures in the NFL. I don't know if he can be on the field in rundowns. It was like the problem, but that's fine people don't run that much (laughs) 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 and then uh, other other key players they're they're second second from people don't run that much no running is running is lame now it's it's cool to pass and then uh, patrick sertain is very good at football uh their left cornerback number two uh, justin simmons 31 their free safety is one of the best safeties in football I would say those are their two best defensive players. Uh, their front seven is not crazy to me. People people talk up Josie Jewell and Jonas Griffiths like it's like some kind of like amazing interior linebacker pairing. It's fine. There are like have a little trouble staying healthy too, which is a problem. You you can find guys like that. I'm I'm not super impressed. <laughs> guys that just rack up tackles and like kind of cover ground. I I don't know. There's just like a million of those guys. Those guys are nothing special. It's we ain't looking uh, we ain't looking across the field and seeing uh, Fred Warner, you know it's it's not or peak Bobby Wagner or even the guy on our team right now. Okay, we it ain't like that. These guys are solid but not spectacular. I they're not bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to like bag on them, but this this just it's fine. People might act like these interior linebackers for Denver are so good. I'm not about that life. They're fine. The, the, the key, the, the, the thing about this defense is it's really good is the secondary. The secondary just rules. It's a really good secondary. A secondary that I think in most team most teams in the NFL would like to have on their team. Joke's on so them. We can't throw anyway. The Seahawks will roll out Geno Smith and the boys. Uh, I read a thing today about Geno, about how, you know, he's not as bad as you think. He just holds on to the ball forever. And I don't totally disagree with that, that statement. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wish that we had a way to get Gino going on short passes because I do think you could exploit this team underneath, right? Going after these linebackers, going after those short those short hitters, trying to hit D in the middle, trying to hit the tight ends, you know, really getting the tight ends going, uh, beating either, you know, with their size against the these guys or their, their speed, you know. Noah Fant is an incredible athlete. And him working, you know, Jonas Griffith over the middle, I would love to see it. Yeah, a lot of lateral be, passing, like crossers and stuff like that. Yeah, it'd be awesome if him working the seam against a tight end. But I'm not sure that Gino is there in terms of how how effective that would be. 
if we really tried to ride on it. I do think you can run on this team. We should be able to run the ball a little bit, move the ball that way. I'm not, I don't think this will be where the game is lost. <laughs> How about that? Is that, is that, uh, is that fair? Is that uh, fair? What do, what do you think, Evan? What do you think about their defense versus our offense? Uh, I think we came to pretty similar conclusions. Um, they're going to be relying uh, heavily on uh, their acquisition of DJ Jones to fix their defense against the run. Like they were a really kind of middling team on run defense. They had a, uh, like a big linebacker rotation. Um, people couldn't stay healthy, but uh, the, the down linemen that they play a lot of uh, Draymond Jones, those players. Um, and also like Bradley Chubb had a horrendous season last year. But he was he was like not he's he was hurt. There's problems. Yeah, he was hurt. He's just hurt. But Draymond yeah, Jones, D- DJ Jones, Deshaun Williams. Denver uh, was 21st in rushing DVOA last year, though, in and defense, defensive rushing DVOA. They were just not right. They're, they're, they were not a great defense in general. They were 20th against the pass. It's just it was not people act like this, like oh, you just dropped rust onto a Super Bowl team. Their defense was so good. Like their this defense is not a was Pete not Fangio defense. Yeah, it was not so good. I don't I don't get that that perception. I don't understand why people act like this was an amazing event. They have a couple of really good players, especially in the secondary, but they're exploitable in the in the front in the lower levels. Yeah, I could see this being a situation where the game is kept close because we're able to just run the ball right at their face mask. And like you're gonna get yards doing it that way. So if we can pound the run and set up anything with the pass. Like even just two or three big pass plays, I think that's enough to score. You know, I don't know between seventeen and twenty-four points, which, depending on what we have to say next, could be enough. Like, are we? I, I trust the offensive system without Russ to set up plays where DK can just take the ball and go. Yeah, or where Fan La- can just take the ball and go and get a chunk of yards. Last season, the Denver Broncos stuffed 13% of runs uh, against that against them. That ranked 30th out of you know 32 teams. That they, they just it's not a it's not a defense to to write home about. Other than Patrick Sertain, very good. Uh, Justin Simmons, very good. Kareem Jackson and Ronald Darby are solid. This is a secondary. That's where we control the most. It, but we'll see when we get to the seat with with Seahawks offense. That's one of our strengths, right? Is is DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett. And so those guys can stand up to the, to these tough, tough defenders and maybe neutralize that, that one advantage they might have. Like I said, this is not where the game will be lost. Do you guys want to talk about where the game will be lost? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's go to the Denver Broncos offense on the field against the Seattle Seahawks defense. Eric Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Versus Michael Jackson, <laughs> rookie Tariq Woolen, and rookie Kobe Bryant. What What do you think? Drag routes. That's what I think. Um, short routes, letting the offense click for Russ on short plays without him having to run a lot and then bombing us with big plays, which uh, I do think we're going to get a turnover in this game via interception or tip. Uh, I think that's only natural. It might be like the first play of the game. We might get two. Um, I think that's a big problem for this defense. I think it's a big problem for us. I don't I don't have a lot of hope for us in this game because in a way, this is the Russell Wilson revenge game. He's got a lot to prove in Denver, 
going back to why he was traded. Uh, I'm going to uh, listen, guys, I'm going to tell you my book that I got coming out. You know, when I retired, they'll they'll be the, the real story. No, Russ, we know the real story. You don't want to play here. And that's OK, man. Uh, but he's got a lot to prove that contract leaving town. Uh, winning multiple championships in Denver with my truck the size of Eric's house. Um, His legacy cares about so much. Can yeah, little little these, things like that. Um, this is a big game, and Russ and it kind of needs those, to win it. Those pass catchers against a very young, inexperienced group of cornerbacks, yes. and Russell, like you said, Russell Wilson, absolutely having something to prove, wanting to come out, and he's going to be looking for the kill shots. Well, right? I think that the defense is probably looking at. Watch the post routes. Nobody's thrown better than Russell Wilson on 50-50 balls, but he's going to get those little underneath routes that aren't quite the middle of the field. Stuff he used to throw to Dougie and to Tyler Lockett. It's just he's also going to have to find like who he's simpatico with. It's going to be a tough day for for the old uh, for the old 80s. Yeah, pop star. I, I actually think you're right. Like that we're going to play cover, too, because that's how you beat Russ. We know yep. that. Right. We're aware. We're aware. And then the Pete Carroll defense is good. And the, the the blending of this three, three, four or bare front three, three concepts, uh, it's going to you're going to see we're still going to run cover, too, because that's how you beat this particular dude. We've seen it in the past that. But what, what you're saying, Eric, is the question becomes to me as Russ extends the play. The, these wide receivers are going to get open. It's just going to happen. They're too talented and our guy, our guys are just too too young, too inexperienced, right? It's just mm-hmm. they don't have the the reps, the experience to to, to to stake with these really, really, really good wide receivers. I mean, this is a second round pick, a first round pick, a second round pick. They these are some good wide receivers, okay? D- draft capital, re- regardless of what they've put out on the field. And I think Cortland Sutton is about to put up a huge season. I for agree. Denver. I think Sutton's the right matchup for Russ's skill set, but I do think yeah. that. Um, Woolen's skill set as an athlete actually gives him a chance to cover guys like Cortland Sutton. The bigger guys right. who aren't as precise as route runners, he actually has like a, a puncher's chance on. It's just the problem is he's just going to be chasing Sutton around. And, and yep. if Sutton and Russ have a good connection, that's just hard to do. It's hard when you're defensive back. And so the question becomes to me, can our defensive line get home enough? I don't have to get home every time, but can they get home enough against to a make really average offensive line yeah it's not a great offensive line but like i don't think it's an, a real great pass rush either they this is where i think that the question is is that and that i'm i'm gonna say no i don't think i just don't think they get home enough against russ to really punish him for the amount of time he's taking and the, all, all that stuff and then the other thing is, is that there's one other guy javante javante williams who is <laughs> extraordinarily talented who russ is going to be able to use to kind of keep us off balance in a, in addition, it's going to force guys out of the, out of the pass rush, you know, just, just pin your ears back mindset. You can't do that against a guy like Javante Williams. Cause when he hits the second level, he's gone, right? It's, it's too much. So that, that kind of combination, uh, Denver's offense is going to be really difficult for us to handle. And I do think that this is where we're going to see the Seahawks maybe struggle a little bit more. Uh, so I talked to Eric already a little bit about it. Kevin, what do you what do you see when the Seahawks uh, defense is on the field with the uh, with the offense? I think you hit a lot of the things. The big question for me with Denver's offense is: Does it look like Seattle fans think a Russell Wilson dictated offense mm. will look like? Does it look like the Russell Wilson offense? I like it, which is basically hero ball. And if it looks like hero ball, how big of a factor is Javante going to be? Because 
Russ doesn't check down, and he doesn't really rely on the run game. He if but he, can he help loves auto. He loves audibling into a run. We've seen this yeah, over yeah. the years. He does love audibling into a run. Like 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 I said earlier, if he sees Alton Robinson on the uh, on the line of scrimmage, he'll love to audible into that run. That's something he's actually pretty good at. We've yeah, seen he, it over the years with Carson and Marshawn. Get get them a, put when he sees something in that defense that will give the run game a chance to succeed. He likes audibling into it. To, that's a, that's valid. Um, the other question is, how often is he going to run into pressure? Because we saw what was not always an effective pass rush, but it was a really active pass rush. And sometimes, you know, Russ hears footsteps and he will do that thing where he climbs the pocket straight into like the defensive end can shed the guard and get the sack. Um, basically, every sack Leonard Floyd has ever gotten against Russell Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. So like how much of that is going to be a thing? And so those are the two those are the two parts of Denver's offense that give me some level of hope because otherwise it's a really talented receiver core. Um, it's not a crew that's deficient in any one area. And if our tackling doesn't look a lot better with our starters out there, Javante Williams is going to feast. Like if our tackling looks like preseason tackling, that's going to be a horrendous football game to watch as a Seahawks fan. Yeah, I'm 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 very worried about percentage. And then what will happen is if they let's say they come out, they put together a nice touchdown drive. Seahawks come out, you know, we move the ball a little bit, but we stutter, we punt, we pin them deep, and then they do another long touchdown drive. And now we're down 14 to nothing. What happens next is very worrying to me because I don't know if the Seahawks have the the chops to really come from behind. I can answer. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you think? (laughs) They don't. Like Gino, yeah. Gino can't play from behind. He's he does not have the skill set as a quarterback to make the throws you need to make in order to score more than the other team is scoring when you're already behind. It's like brutal. He can win tight games, but he can't go out and win you a game. We would be relying on everyone around him to break big plays like, you know, uh, a quick slant to DK that he just breaks a tackle and is gone or getting Penny or Walker the ball in space and they just take off. Like we would be relying on something like that to happen because Gino is not going to throw you to a touchdown. Yep. I don't think uh, Pete's Pete's good at playing that way either. Um, With or without this roster. I mean, doom boys, doom. We should have a, we should have a special teams advantage. The Denver cut their like all pro or nearly all pro level punter to go with a Corliss Waitman, a guy who seems actually solid when I looked into the stats, but he's just bounced around practice squads for like five, three or three years now. That's how punters work. Yeah. Do, doesn't never, hasn't really caught on. He's probably like a middle. I'm going to guess he's going to end up, if he stays the whole season, he'll end up like the 20th best punter. He's obviously not good enough to, to really like stick out like the way their previous punter is. And, and I, don't, I don't think, I don't think very highly of Brandon McManus. I don't know. Maybe other people really think Brandon McManus is the, the business. Um, he's he's fine. He, Kicking it out he's gonna make, pretty nice. He's gonna make eighty percent of his field goals because he gets to kick in like yeah, exactly. He gets to kick in altitude, so he gets to kick super long field goals. Um and he's been sucking in, in practice and people are like, Well, what's going on? And he goes, I get paid to make I get to pay to make field goals in September, which is like such a <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, kickers are weird. So much kickers are weird, so paid to make them in October through January too. 
Yeah, it's so, the tiny so maybe, face mask. That's why they're so weird. <laughs> kickers are kickers are always very they're, they're just different. Uh, but we should have a mild special teams advantage that could kind of equalize. So let's do a Seahawks Nest Classic. This is a classic Seahawks Nest bit. We're bringing it back this season because otherwise, I don't think we'll ever talk about how the Seahawks could win. It'll always be us telling you why they're going to lose. So starting with Kevin, Kevin, how does Seahawks pull off a dub here? How do they get a win? Seahawks path to a dub. Uh, It's going to be a lot of running the ball up the gut. It's a ball control offense with a few passes that get DK Tyler and Noah fan into space. Maybe one of them breaks off for something long. Uh, Russ has to throw at least one interception and it has to be like, and it has to turn into points. Yeah. That drive has to turn into points and it has to take points away. So like Russ is on our side of the field, um, heading in for a score and like uh, the ball gets tipped and goes to digs at like the 20, something like that. And then our offensive line has to play lights out and our pass rush has to be more effective than theirs. Yeah, I I mean, I'm right there with you. The Seahawks need a turnover that turns into points and they have to kind of control the pace of the game other than that and grind out like a ugly victory. Right. Something like, yeah, like 20, 20 to 14, 20 to 17 is what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just an ug- ugly, like nasty victory where, where we get a key turnover, we grind it out and we force them to kick several field goals or they make tough choices in the middle of the field that maybe turn over to turnovers on downs, right? Like the fourth down decisions and stuff that are difficult. But, uh, if I have to read one more uh, article about how Nathaniel Hackett's a football genius, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> It's going to throw that out there. It's great being uh, Eric, a football yeah. genius when you just ride coattails your whole career. Yeah. You got anything to add to the, uh, to the, how the Seahawks win conversation? No, it's going to have to be via turnovers. And, uh, there is something funny in the, in week one NFL, uh, in the picks podcast. Um, I, I said that my game of the week was the Titans because, uh, who are the Titans playing? I forgot already. It doesn't Gigantes. matter. The Titans. Yeah. yeah Titans. New York football, New York football giants. Yeah. So the giants are going to be terrible and the Titans are on their way down. Right. So I called this my game of the week because week one's always weird. The high powered offenses score like nine points the year. Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, he had like, you know, two completions. It's kind of weird. It is almost is like a preseason week four. people aren't prepared. So I thought, Hey, the Titans and the giants, that's going to be like 28, 21. It's going to be crazy. We can maybe win with a few turnovers and Russ just not being sharp. I don't know my receivers yet. I was really emotional coming to Seattle, um, but I don't see that. Banana bubbles all popped. I'm, uh, I tried to eat the ball. Didn't work. All right. And then the more likely scenario where the Seahawks lose. Let's get into it. Our picks for the week. <laughs> I'm going to go Denver 24, Seahawks 17. I don't think it's going to like I, I've said this a lot. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be getting blown out on a week to week basis. It's just not going to happen. What's going to happen is we're going to it's going to be 24 17 and the Seahawks will get the ball back with like three minutes left. And we're going to go. All right. We just need one more G, one good Geno drive to uh to get in here and get in the end zone. And we'll and then we'll uh, we'll get to overtime or we'll go for two. And then Geno will throw an interception. <laughs> you know, it's, that, that's going to that's going to be our season, guys. And it's just it is. It's our cross to bear while we uh, we tank for Anthony Richardson. So, all right, uh, Kevin, what's your pick? So uh, same level of disappointment in the opposite direction. I have 27, 17. It's going to be like Seahawks score in the fourth quarter to make it 20 to 17. And we're like, man, if we can only get a stop. 
And then we have a chance to go down there and tie it or get the win. And then they're going to have like one of those seven minute drives where we can't do anything. And they go up 27, 17. It's just depressing. And then, yeah. And then here comes Gino at ready to ready to press. (laughs) Gino's got to press. Two minute time. Gino time. (laughs) Gino time, baby. All right, Eric, what do you think? Uh, I think it's going to come down to a couple of touchdowns and field goals versus one touchdown and field goals. Uh, I have the Broncos at 20, what is it, 25, and the uh, the Seahawks at 16. All right, sounds good. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so to head over to punthub.us, click anywhere on your screen. It'll take you to our Patreon. For as little as $1.24 a month, you can join the Discord. Get access to our Picks podcast, which is a, a hoot and a holler. Uh, it's a very good time. It's, it's a blast. And so... Um, it's a derivative. It's a bit, you know, whatever, but it's a lot of fun. That's, that's what I'll, that's what I'll say. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's that. Uh, thanks to those uh, people new and old support the show. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Floctimus, Gavin, Greta, James, Jose, Lucas, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Washington Fish Quest. Check them out on YouTube. Bob, Casey, David Foles. He got more than he bargained for with that with that ad buy. <laughs> Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, spent. Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick. It's the best or the worst. I don't know how. I haven't checked his metrics, so we'll see. <laughs> but uh, all right, today's movie club. Uh, I w- I'm very excited. It's not just the start of football season. It's also the fo- start of European football <laughs> season. Uh, some as uh, good friends of the podcast might know, uh, I'm a big fan of a. Uh, European football club. I'm a big fan of Arsenal. Beautiful game. F- Arsenal FC is my my team. I've been rooting for Arsenal since I was uh, I re- I was in middle school. I got a book recommended to me. Someone someone uh, said one of my teachers said you really like sports. You should read this book about being a fan of sports. And it <laughs> it was um, Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby, which is a really in retrospect a kind of a weird uh, thing. But I just like was like the guy in this book likes Arsenal. And so, and honestly, back then you could not watch very many teams on TV. Uh, there was like just less access to to sports. You, I basically could have been like an Arsenal fan, a Manchester United fan, a Barcelona fan, a Real Madrid fan. That was it. Like none of their none of their teams were regularly on TV. So it's like I, how people I, ended up being Braves fan in the nineties. Cause they were always on TBS. Right. <laughs> and so, so I, 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 you know, I started rooting for Arsenal and of course they have like, it's like a, a generational team when I start rooting for them, you know, they got Thierry Henry, they, they go a whole season without losing a game. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on soccer. So, uh, there is a TV show that I've been watching that is soccer related that I think is really fun and interesting. It's a documentary series. Um, it's on, it's on FX. It has a couple of celebrities called Welcome to Wrexham. Have you guys seen the commercials for Welcome to Wrexham? I have. They're they're ev- they're everywhere. I I totally blinked on what this was the name of until you were just talking about it. This is the one where they buy like like they're reviving like a middling soccer club in Wales. I would say reviving is is even uh, not even the right word because this t- team has never really been that that great. Okay, so um, they are yes, Rob McElhenney. Uh, who is Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's in other stuff too, but that's his most notable thing. And Ryan Reynolds, who is very famous. From being Ryan uh, <laughs> needs Needs very little introduction. Uh, they they are by a Welsh football club, right? Uh, Wrexham, Wrexham AFC. 
which plays in a uh, like historical ground called the race course uh, race course ground. It's like one of the oldest. Uh, it hosted Wales first home international match in 1877. That's you know, cool. it's like a it's like a really Old historical ground. Right. So this team has a lot of history. They've been stuck in the fifth tier of English football. So oh, no. way, so so the way that that English sports promotion works is, so cool. is different, right? Pro rel. So there's this thing called pro grade promotion and relegation. So teams that are struggling, if you finish at the bottom of your league, you might get relegated, which means you get kicked out of the league that you're in into a worse league. This would basically be the equivalent of with like the Seattle Seahawks lost and we were so bad and instead of getting the first pick in the draft they kicked us out of the nfl and put us in the xfl okay that's the equivalent uh system well Wrexham, the highest they ever got was the third highest level and but now they've been stuck in the fifth level for a really long time okay and they and it's really good to be in the top four levels the top four levels are there's a lot more money um they're they're just it's just better to be in the top four levels so this club has been mismanaged. It's been on the borderline of collapse. The fans had to take the team over because they just like basically save it. So the the tr- they you know they go to the trust and they say we want to spend two million dollars to take over your team and and make it good and do it. And so the documentary kind of follows their journey of what being becoming the owners of um of Wrexham and uh, you know. The first thing they do, you know, they they buy the team and they don't change anything. They're like, all right, this is the team. You guys, if you guys can get promoted, then we'll keep everyone, you know, like we'll keep you on. And they and then that's kind of what kind of launches the the documentary. Do you want me to spoil more or do you, are you interested in watching it? Uh, I'll be um, honest. This totally looks like something I could watch while I'm grading or lesson planning, correct. which is perfect. And it has an official place in my wheelhouse at this moment. So if you like this and you end up liking it, there is another documentary. It's called Sunderland Till I Die. It is um, so it's a it's a documentary about Sunderland getting kicked out of the top league, Premier League, into the EFL Championship, second league, which Wrexham would kill to be in. But by the <laughs> way, uh, but yes, they got kicked kicked down to the second league, and then their their pressure to to get. Um, push to push themselves back into the into the premier league um it's two seasons i would watch sunderland till i die is also really good if you enjoy welcome to rexham it would be a nice i think uh second step for you uh in this it also uh, seems like a cool way to learn about soccer if you are not soccer knowledgeable like about like how the game itself works Right. The culture around the game, because I think one of the things about soccer, it's different is it's just a different culture because let's talk it's about like Rexham, college football. Okay? Let's talk about Wrexham as a city. OK, Wrexham. Wrexham hosts Wrexham AFC. Right. If Wrexham just keeps winning, if Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds can push the club all the way up to the premiership, which isn't like super unreasonable. It's, it'd take a long time. It'd take a lot of hard work, but it could happen. Right. It, it's not unreasonable. Well, how many people do you think live in Wrexham? A few thousand. 65,000. They have a 10,000 person stadium That's in a awesome. city with 65,000 people in it and they sell it out. So I, I want you to imagine if like the city of Kent, no, cause they actually have a stadium, but let's no, but like, let's, what if the city of Kent had a stadium the size of like key arena, you know, and they were regularly selling it out for a minor league team. Right, like not the Thunderbirds stadium, which is a lot smaller, but this thing is like four times bigger, 
and there's regularly selling. I mean, it's just a different, the culture around it. It's, it's a part of the city. Right. And I think that's part of the appeal. And it was part of the appeal to the, when they bought it, you know, it's like Rob McElhenney says in the documentary, like I saw the way that the Philadelphia Eagles affected the city of Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl, And I wanted to be able to bring that to this, this other like blue collar city. And I think that's like a really cool motivation to, uh, to bring to a project like this. So that also, I fit, I made, it kind of makes the documentary appeal to me a little bit. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's me talking about Welcome to Rexham. Um, yeah, and if, if you want to get in the Discord and trash me for liking Arsenal, that's fine. People make fun of Arsenal quite a lot. So <laughs> I've, I'm I'm ready. But I think we should instead make fun of, of a no bore or no Mike for liking Manchester United. So if you want to join me, <laughs> just, just kidding, Mike. So the, right. thing about, the, the thing about uh, soccer that I always respect um, as a, as a uh, college football fan is how completely irrational soccer fans are and how so completely resigned to that fact. And like, like I I've never met the soccer fan. That's like, Oh no, 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 this makes sense. All of them are like, yeah, we're insane. This is the dumbest thing ever. And we shouldn't <laughs> be this wrapped up in it. But also look at this casserole I made that looks like my scarf. Oh man. I know. looking too is like <laughs> for, for me, like being as an art from an arsenal fan, like, I like think about it and I'm like, yeah, we've been bad for quite a while and we haven't won one. We've won a few FA cups and stuff. We're not terrible, but like we have not been the best team in, in quite some time. And uh, it's like, yeah, I'm resigning myself to like hoping that we get second or third. That's like, that's like the best case scenario for me. Like, it's like, it's like, it's different. Like, you know, I'm not hoping for, I can't root for the Super Bowl because I just don't think that that's possible. It's not possible for my team to win the Super Bowl. They're not good enough, but I, but I, but I have to love them anyway and just watch on a week to week basis and, and hope that, cause you know what, getting second would be awesome. Getting second would be really cool. I'd be super pleased if at the end of the season, you know, Arsenal's in first right now. If you look at Distilled the standings, sports fandom, stop, stop the count. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. That's it for, for Eric, for Kevin. We will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.